0: Hi, you're listening to 48 Minutes and this is Tim Kitcher from NBA Jam. Ooh, boom shakalaka luck. You wanted to come with it, we got it with punishment. Nuggets
1: is covered with a fucking hand of what we cover with. Others in love with the front and this family just running it. Long as the public is coming, then we keep them coming in.
2: Late in the season, we have like two weeks left of regular season basketball, and we're actually still talking about the New York Knicks. And it's cool, (laughs) it's fun, it's exciting. It's the NBA is so much better when the Knicks are good. And so I had to bring in a friend of mine who every time I see him we're covering a game together, I ask him about the Knicks. So I apologize (laughs) it took me this long to ask him to be on my show to talk about his beloved New York Knicks. He is the biggest Knicks fan, probably in the Cincinnati area. If you are from the Cincinnati you know him from ESPN 1530. This is Mel Egger. Mo. first off, I don't necessarily think you were waiting on the invitation from me, but I do want to say <laughs> I, I apologize it took this long to have you on still.
0: Well, uh, there's there's been no reason to have me on to talk about the Knicks unless you've just wanted to laugh at somebody. And, uh, you know, I, I get asked to go on a lot of podcasts. I'm, I'm never really sure why. It's not like I have expertise to add but I've never been asked to talk about the Knicks. And so this is one of the great things about being a Knicks fan in Cincinnati, having the job that I have is I don't have to have takes, right? Yeah. I I don't, I don't have to have an angle. I could just watch them play and react emotionally. So now that I'm being asked to talk about them, I am a little scared, but it's still good to be with you guys.
2: (laughs) Well, man, let's start because obviously, like we said, this has (laughs) been, you know, such a fun year um and so many like as the year goes on it gets more fun so obviously the start of the year they kind of are on that like you know how it is with nba teams if they're not good they're fun there's like that fun good scale that people always look at for like rebuilding teams and lottery teams and the knicks were kind of like they started off good and you're like oh this is fun so like hopefully this doesn't tatter off and then it's like oh maybe they get in the play-in and then they trade for rose and it's like oh they've solidified their, their bench score and now it's like looking like they're going to skip the play-in so for you you know, being someone who follows this team, who watches them, because, you know, we're Bulls fans. We don't, we don't know what that's like anymore. Like, that, that, <laughs> those days are long gone. Um, so what has this been like, actually, like, watching this team night to night, seeing Julius Randle just, like, develop so much in front of your eyes, having young guys like Emmanuel quickly, and, like, Derrick Rose being good again. All of that in, like, one big Knicks pie. What's that been like?
0: <laughs> awesome. It's been a blast. The most fun seasons you can have, the most fun time you can have as a sports fan is when your team overachieves. Um, I didn't think these guys were going to be the worst team in the NBA, but I didn't think we'd be talking about them being a top four seed. I didn't think we'd be approaching mother's day and I would, you know, be uh, trying to figure out if, if they can get the four seed and, and win a first round playoff series. But you know, the, the way the season started, it didn't start great. If, if you remember the first two games, they got absolutely housed. They were they were smoked. Indiana beat them by 14 points. Uh, a couple of nights later, Philadelphia drilled them by 20. And I'm going, okay, I've seen this before. They came back a night or two after Christmas and just reamed the Milwaukee Bucks and made 1,000 threes and scored 130 points. And I'm like, all right, that's right, they're teasing me. And they came back the next night or two nights later. They won that game. They went on a little bit of a tear, right? So they went five out of six after starting 0-2. Fun, but nothing that you think is sustainable. And then, proving my skepticism, they lose their next four games. And I'm like, all right, they're five and 5-8, middle of January. Maybe not entirely the same old Knicks because Emmanuel quickly was fun to watch. And Julius Randle was off to a really good start. But, again, 5-8. and eight. And then they they went on this little stretch here where they were beating the teams they should beat, and they were losing a lot of excruciatingly close games. Uh, they lose one on a Sunday to Portland where they played really well, and they just couldn't get out of their own way on the defensive end. Uh, they had a game uh, in late uh, January on national TV against the Clippers where they lost by 14 points, and I walked away from it felt like feeling like they won. They just had this stretch where you could see them getting better, but they weren't quite getting over the hump, right? They were always sort of a game or two below 500. And then things towards the end of February and early, or and and uh, toward the end of, of March and early April, really just started to click. They won some games in overtime. They won some road games that you don't expect. Julius Randle has been unbelievable. And you've really seen the buy-in on the defensive end. Um, so it's, you know, everything everything has come together They're They have flaws. They have holes. There's not a ton of depth. Uh, I worry where the scoring is going to come from when teams that can really go after Randall defensively bottle him up and make the Knicks beat him from outside. Uh, They've done what they've done recently for the most part against teams that aren't great. Uh, I, I worry that the outside shooting that that has been so good recently is going to dry up, but they hired Tom Thibodeau. Everybody made fun of it. It's worked out great. They hired Kenny Payne and I'm like, yeah, okay, fine. Big deal. Uh, he's credited with a lot of, of what the Knicks are doing, both in terms of getting players to want to come play and making them better. He's the big man whisperer. Uh, you know what, with the folks who cover the team write about in terms of what Kenny Payne has done for Julius Randle is, has been really fun to follow. Uh, Ob Toppin hasn't been great, but it doesn't feel like they whiffed and he's had his moments uh, even like guys that Knicks fans obsess over playing too much, like Alfred Payton, he hasn't been valueless the Derrick Rose trade, which felt like kind of your typical, like Knicks get a washed up guy kind of deal has paid great dividends. Uh, some of the moves they made that not a lot of people paid a close attention to like getting New Orleans Noel. He has been a godsend. Yeah. They lose Mitchell Robinson and Noel has been better. Everything. This never happens. It, it, everything has come together. They're having a winning season. And, you know, frankly, for me, whatever happens in the postseason is, is gravy. The fact that I've, I've had a chance to watch this team evolve and grow. And the fact, most importantly, it finally feels like they're, they're behaving and structured like, like a, a decently run professional sports organization for me, quite frankly, has been enough. <laughs> we
2: just sort of do what that's like. <laughs>
1: Mo I gotta ask so uh, a couple years ago after uh, Tom Thibodeau kind of had his flame out uh, with the Minnesota Timberwolves I predicted that he would never be a head coach again in the NBA because I just felt like there was just so much flack that he was taking for overworking players and and just being so just kind of dragging players into the ground Um, you know I'm a Bulls fan so we saw like the end of the Bulls era. It didn't really end very well with him. I've always loved Tom Thibodeau. I think if he's able to get his team to buy into a system, which he has done with this Knicks team, um, you know, it, it's always a great fit and he's got some young players that are really, you know, buying in Julius Randall finally found a, a coach that has held him accountable um, which I think is great. And I'll be honest. I didn't really see Tom Thibodeau coming back and actually doing what he's doing right now. Um, how special it is, is it for a Knicks fan? I know you kind of said, you know, it's one of those years where you're overachieving and it's extra exciting at the moment because of that, but how, how great is it to have a coach that the entire team is buying into his concept of, of defense and also getting some surprises on the way with, uh, you know, like we said, uh, even Nerland's Noel. How is, uh, w- what's it like to have that this year?
0: Uh, all of it's been awesome. And and like, I'm with you. I, I never really gave it much thought as to whether or not he would coach again. Um, but when he was a candidate, I'm kind of going, God, you know, another retread. You know, can we hire somebody who's sort of outside the box? But when you looked at the list of, possible candidates and then legitimate candidates he was the most qualified one i mean he usually is He's he's a great coach so you know people talk about well he he burns his guys into the ground look on on sunday night they were blowing out the houston rockets and i'm screaming at the television get rj out (laughs) <laughs> he played in forty. I mean, so there is. <laughs> I remember that feeling. I remember that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, they're they're winning by like thirty points. It's late, and it's it's the first night of back to backs, and I'm I'm literally like, all right. Uh, I'd like to have a fresh RJ for Memphis tomorrow. Let's go. <laughs> um, but he was the most qualified guy, and you know, look, did did his coaching style, uh, alienate people and and sort of uh, cause him to wear out his welcome in Chicago. Yeah, it feels that way, but he never won fewer than 45 games. And, you know, people talk about his time in Minnesota, and I'm not going to pretend like I I follow the Timberwolves on a day in and day out basis. But you. uh yeah, but his last full season they went 47 and 35. Now, if you know anything about the history of the Minnesota Timberwolves, that is a remarkably uh, successful season. Th- that that franchise has been a dumpster fire for years. How many 47 win years uh did the Minnesota Timberwolves have in their history? You had to go back almost 20 years to find their last uh the, the last season they won that many games. So, you know, it's it's not like the man can't win basketball games and things blew up in his face in Minnesota with the whole Jimmy Butler thing. But but again, in, in terms of reputation, um, in in terms of of accomplishment, and I'm talking about reputation. Is he a great defensive teacher? I have not read anybody who covers the NBA who wouldn't agree with the fact that he is Uh, did he help groom uh, Derrick Rose into being the youngest MVP in the history of the NBA? He, he did do that. And I've never heard Derrick Rose speak ill of him. So um, what I was worried about, and frankly, to a degree, what I, I, I still worry about is whenever it feels like the Knicks actually hire an adult, they still figure out a way to screw it up. So for instance, about 10, 11 years ago, they hired Donnie Walsh, a great NBA executive. And he gets things squared away from a salary cap perspective. They have some pretty good young players and it just, they ruined the relationship with him and he left and he didn't get a chance to over, you know, to finish what he had started to, to build, which was uh, a fairly well-run competent sports organization. So it, it always feels like even Mike Woodson, Mike Woodson was the coach the last time the Knicks were even marginally good in 2013, And I thought, you know, from a game strategy standpoint, there were some things I didn't like about Mike Woodson, but he felt like an adult. And that was a team with some enormous egos between Carmelo and Jason Kidd and Kenyon Martin, my guy, Kenyon Martin joined that team late. I thought he did a pretty good job. They run him out. Like, so I still kind of worry, like Tom Thibodeau is a fully credentialed, legitimate NBA head coach. And he's an adult in the room and the guys love him and they play hard for him. How are they going to screw it up? The other thing is, you know, I, I've heard people say, well, you know, he wears that his welcome. He's a little bit too much of a hard charger. I think there's two things about that. Number one in Minnesota, um, he wore multiple hats. He was the president of, of basketball operations. I, I'm not sure that best suits what he's good at. Also in Chicago, it was a five-year deal um, and he wore out his welcome there. Tom Thibodeau in five years is going to be 68 years old. And so I'm, I'm guessing regardless of whatever amount of success that he has between now and then, if he wears that as welcome, we're going to be talking about a 68 year old head coach that may want to step away or that it might be time to replace anyway. So I, I don't worry as much about that. And the other thing I've told people is I watched the Knicks on NBA league pass. And I've had this conversation with, with friends of mine who are UK basketball fans who, hated the fact that Kenny Payne came to the Knicks. And uh, uh, if you watch games on NBA league pass, you don't get the commercials. So if I'm watching the MSG feed, what you get are either uh, sometimes the in arena stuff they put on the board. Like sometimes you'll occasionally get the kiss cam uh, or you'll get like a recap of highlights, but usually you get an isolated shot of the bench and there's no commentary It's not wired. I've watched the NBA for roughly 37 years. I've seen my fair share of NBA huddles. Uh, I've seen my fair share of college basketball huddles in person Um, to to watch those. I know this is going to sound really stupid and hokey, but I've been watching the Knicks on League Pass for years. And, you know, whether Lenny Wilkins was the coach or Isaiah Thomas or Mike D'Antoni or, uh, you know, um, David Fisdale, whoever it's been you're watching during a timeout. The guys are checked out. They're off in their own world. They're not watching what the coach is doing. They're not paying attention. It's, it's remarkable to watch. I've pointed this out to people, how locked in they are uh, in regular season, you know, in the third quarter of some random February, regular season game, Tom Thibodeau has commanded their full attention. And this is a team that's got some veteran guys, dudes who have been around before. And, and then it's it's always funny because here's where the Kentucky part comes in. The, the UK guys, uh, you know, quickly, uh Orleans, Noel I was going to say Kevin Knox, but he never plays Uh th- Those guys always have a word with Kenny Payne It's it's a remarkable dynamic And that's actually why I started watching it But I- I've watched games on League Pass enough Like when they're in a huddle They're locked into them Is that going to be the case a year from now Is that going to be the case two, three, four years from now a- At some point, most coaches in that league Their voice wears thin Especially if they're not winning But as for now, to see a team that cares That buys in I mean, they play the way people's talk about Tom Thibodeau teams playing, especially on the defensive end. So the way that's worked out has been exceptionally fun to watch.
2: So you mentioned league pass and um, Sean and I are frequent splits (laughs) of split the funds for league pass yearly. And when it works, it's great. Mm -hmm. Um, And when it doesn't, as we know, it's a disaster. Um, So I have to ask, since you've mentioned, you watch the MSG feed and I, I will definitely talk more next basketball in your opinion, and I'm curious to this because, you know, you and I have never really had this conversation as far as like other people who broadcast and things like that. I've gotten to the point where I think I'm safe and I feel comfortable to say, I think Mike Breen's the greatest basketball in-game commentator of all time. Mm-hmm. Where would you feel in that statement?
0: I think it's accurate. Uh, and nobody ever says that. And You know, it's it, it's interesting. He's, he's called, is it like 15 or 16 NBA finals? I, yeah. I, that's got to be a record. It's more than Marv Albert did. It's more than uh, Dick Stockton or Brent Musburger did for CBS. Uh, I, I think that's a record. He's, he's phenomenal. Um, and it, it, it's interesting because, you know, when I – I think when people hear Mike Breen, right, you think of big playoff games, the NBA finals, uh, the signature game on NBC, there's kind of a big game presence to him. In December, when it's, you know, Knicks-Hornets on a Tuesday night, uh, you know, game number 14 of the season, and both teams are terrible, there's still a big game feel to it because of of Mike Breen. And um, I, I work with Dan Horde on uh, UC Basketball and Football broadcast. Uh, I would say Breen is Horde-esque, and Horde would say he tries to be Breen-esque in working with any kind of color commentator. When he works with um, uh, Jeff Van Gundy and Mark Jackson, he is the perfect straight man, the perfect traffic cop. Uh, he knows when to let Jeff Van Gundy go off on a tangent, but he also knows when to bring it back. And okay, here's what's happening in the game. When he works with uh, Walt Frazier, uh, Walt's an icon and very loquacious, but you know he he kind of has to be he kind of has to be prompted a little bit to talk about himself and talk about his playing days. And uh, Mike is great at setting him up to sound good when he works with Doris Burke and who doesn't love Doris Burke. He, he, he kind of changes direction with her a little bit. He's awesome. He is awesome. And, and as somebody who, you know, for years, he was like the fill in guy. When I first started watching the Knicks on league pass every single night, he was the other guy. And he was like the dude who did some radio and then he'd come over and do some TV when he got the full-time job, I revere Marv Albert. But when Marv Albert was let go by the Knicks, which was BS that he got let go, it's, you know, it's, it's not as bad as it is now. I, I kind of wish Marv would stop. But uh, he didn't have his fastball anymore, as great as Marv is. And Marv is the, the, the signature voice of the NBA and the signature voice of the New York Knicks. But I remember saying kind of to myself, like, this broadcast is better. Mike Breen is better than Marv Albert. And that's saying something because many consider Marv to be the greatest basketball announcer of all time. Uh, He's awesome. And, you know, folks know him. It's interesting. I believe there are people who watch him on ABC or ESPN, see him on the NBA finals, don't know that he's like grinding away every single night on Knicks games. There have been times where I've watched them on say a Friday at eight o'clock and he's calling a game in New York. And then at three 30, he's in Los Angeles calling a Laker game. And he sounds exactly the same. I, I revere uh, Mike Breen. You, you talk about people in broadcasting that I wish I could meet and and like, you know, pick the brain of. He might be at the very top of that list. You know, I used to feel that way about you until we became friends, right? <laughs> nobody, nobody has ever felt that way about me.
2: Yeah, when I was like 20 years old, you let me sit on your radio show. I don't know if you remember that.
0: I don't remember what we did last week.
2: Yeah, see, like. Uh, yeah. So you mentioned R.J. Barrett earlier and mm-hmm. just seeing the climb from year one to year two has been phenomenal. The fact he's 20 years old and can score the way he does, it's just, you know, obviously the ceiling is so high for him. Um, I was definitely president of the R.J. Barrett bandwagon coming out of college. I felt like, you know, obviously playing with Zion Williamson, you know where the attention's going to go. Mm-hmm. But seeing his growth and seeing his talent and seeing his like kind of like gaining that like cojones to take the big shot on a consistent basis has been so fun has the night to night R.J. Barrett been like for you?
0: Uh, a better shooter from the outside than advertised. You could tell he's put the work in because, you know, that was the knock on him uh, coming out of college. Uh, this guy's not going to be able to get it. He'll be able to get a shot off, but he's not a good shooter. You're you're right about something. In the big moments, they've played in so many close games. As as good as Julius has been. Um, oftentimes the guy uh, taking the biggest shots has been R.J. Barrett or, he he kind of has turned a little bit into their closer. Um, The guy, you know, mellow esque and God knows he's not Carmelo Anthony, but, you know, again, the last time the Knicks were good, if they had a four-point lead with five minutes to go, it was mellow time, and he was going to close them out. And, you know, RJ hasn't done it to that extent because, well, he passes. But, uh, yeah, he's been that guy. And just the, the statistical leap from year one to year two has been everything you could ask for he's a better scorer he takes better care of the ball um he's a better shooter he's been better from the free throw line which is a rookie he was not very good from the free throw line he's shooting a higher percentage of shots uh he's shooting a a a better uh he, he's shooting shots that fit more within the context of the offense and he's helped him out of the defensive end. Uh, and and the fun thing is you talked about his age. You know, He hasn't played in a season and a half worth of NBA basketball games. So there's, you know, he's still like, there's still so much that, you know, so much room for his game to grow. And I, I, th- I think it'll be interesting to see, you know, if they, if they bring back Julius Randle and those two kind of become a tandem and if they ever get things completely settled the way we all wish they would at point guard, kind of how his game fits into what they want to do long term but uh you know it for for the, for what it felt like the the night of the the uh, night of the lottery when they didn't get the zion pick i mean i, I remember going look they defied the odds the, the odds were not in their favor of getting a top 3 pick and and it was still met like at best rj barrett's a consolation prize and i'm going look i i follow college basketball recruiting he was the prize recruit of Duke. And, you know, people made a big deal about Zion that summer when they went to Canada and he just blew everybody's mind away. But coming into that, he was the higher rated recruit, according to a lot of people, uh, and thought of as the guy that after that season at Duke was going to be the number one pick in the NBA draft. And he had a good freshman year for a really good Duke team uh, that, that, you know, a lot of people thought that season should have won the national championship. So, I understand the disappointment that it wasn't Zion, but I was, I was really excited about the player they were getting. And I feel like the headline for so many people was the disappointment that it wasn't Zion, that what kind of got shoved to the back was, this guy's really talented and really young, and there's a lot about his game to like. And we have seen how much there is to like this season.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I've been very excited about it. So I know I, taught, I promised you we get you out of here before they tip off tonight for the Denver game. So I'll get you out on this. Um, what do you feel like, you know, it looks like this team is not going to worry about the play-in. That's a very exciting thing. What a year that the Knicks are for sure, like looking more and more like they're not going to play in the Lakers might be playing in the play-in. <laughs> what an odd year. Um, you yeah. Know, you're sealing for the Knicks going into the postseason. Like you said, I know you said everything's gravy, no matter what happens. You know, if they match up with like an Atlanta, do you feel good about your chances there? Because I feel good about their chances against a team like Atlanta.
0: Yeah. You know, they, they played a game uh, a couple of weeks ago and it, it was phenomenal. Trey young got injured during the game. It went to overtime. It was game. uh, Seven or eight of the nine game winning streak. And it was billed as this possible playoff preview. And, you know, unfortunately Trey young, who I love to watch got injured. I, I like, I like their chances against Atlanta. Um, And to me, that's the ceiling, right? They're, they're a rung below Philly brooklyn and milwaukee they, they just they are um I, I was watching screaming heads on espn try to talk themselves into you know well boy the, the nets wouldn't want to see them in a the best of seven series uh, yeah they would uh That's th- there a are run below but yeah Stephen a and, and max kellerman but this <laughs> franchise has won one playoff series since One. i mean it's 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 like bengal-esque um one playoff series and in that playoff series against boston they almost blew a 3-0 lead so it was more relief than joy that they won it. If this franchise in a year in which some thought they would have the worst record of the NBA could win a playoff series. um, I don't know how Knicks fans wouldn't be elated by that. And, and look, I think if they were able to do that, let's say they're the four Philly holds on to the one, they've played some really good games against each other. Give me a five game competitive series against Philadelphia where, you know, uh, you, they stand toe to toe with a team that's got a chance to win it all. I'd be, I'd be very, very happy with that. I, I will say this though, they're in the middle of this stretch uh, where, you know, they're going to play four road games, Denver, Phoenix, the two LA teams. That's going to be a difficult task. They come home and play uh, San Antonio, Charlotte, and the Celtics. They've got a three, I believe a three game lead on Boston for the, you know, to avoid the play in, You know, that seems like a lot with, what is it, seven games to go. But I do worry about uh, this trip that they're on, shrinking that margin for error, that Boston game meaning something, and then falling into the play-in, where at this point I think that would be felt as a disappointment. We've talked about them being a top-four seed, and now them falling into the play-in where, you know, you have the possibility of not even making the playoffs. That scares me a little bit, so I'm not counting my – my eggs before they hatch. But if you would have said to me two months ago, uh, coming into the last whatever it is, two weeks, last seven games, they've got a three game lead on the seven team and they're sitting in the four spot. I would have taken that. So, yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, again, at the beginning of the year, if you would have said to me they can sneak into the play in, I would have taken that. Now, the fact that we're talking about, you know, them being uh, the higher seeded team in a first round battle. Um, is really exciting and if they won a playoff series regardless of what happened after that I I would not complain
2: man having a playoff series in the garden for home court advantage I know it's a limited crowd but still yeah
0: it, you know it's there's uh, <laughs> during the uh, sport shutdown last spring um, in large part because of the last dance I just I end up going down like this 90s NBA wormhole and there's all these you know, the 93 Knicks against uh, the Hornets games, one, two, and five at Madison square garden. It's just unbelievable. Or, you know, the, the 94 uh, bull series or uh, you know, even the, this, the game four against uh, Indiana in in, uh, 99 and that building when it's full and they're good is unbelievable. It's unbelievable on television. And uh, so you know, the idea that they're going to finally have a playoff game or have have playoff games at MSG and they're not going to have a, you know, a capacity crowd is a little sad. But hopefully this is the beginning of a run in which they're in the playoffs every single year and crowds can be back. But, yeah, I mean, a, a, you know, a playoff game at Madison Square Garden with the Knicks winning. There is there's nothing there's nothing better, even in, in uh, 13 when they played the Celtics and the Pacers. Uh, it was fun to channel my youth and remember that because it had been so long, but it's been eight years since then, so uh, yeah, uh, I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it
2: for sure. Sean, you touch it, want to touch on anything before we get out? Perfect. Well, Mo, I thank you. I promise it will not be another four or five years of a show. Get <laughs> on. Um, hopefully, the Knicks win a playoff series and you can come on and celebrate with us. I'm in, uh, let's do it. Before we get out of here, you want to go and celebrate your shout out your social medias. We're Knicks fans who listen to us around the country all six of them can find you
0: <sighs> yeah uh i do tweet about i don't i don't try to be over the top uh, about uh, the Knicks, um but i'm at mo egger 1530 and uh so i i have warned people that if they make a run in the playoffs i i will apologize now for how obnoxious i'm going to be because again for you know like when the you know the reds or the Bengals, who i love and you and see basketball there, there's you know again i've I, i've always got to have some sort of like non-emotional take and that's with the knicks i don't have to do that so it's it can be sometimes a little over the top
2: sean said when the bulls win the title again it'll be the first time they ever had the big mac
0: <laughs> do better than that <laughs> treat yourself to something good it's, if the bull it-
1: it's more of a running joke at this point that i'm i'm 38 years old and haven't had a big mac yet really yeah
0: you've never had one never that's fascinating
1: it is
0: (laughs) that's fascinating i mean you've gone to mcdonald's right
1: i have yeah
0: wow and you never felt compelled to try one
1: no i just i stick with the the regular plain hamburgers the the 99 cent ones i just i eat this the ones that come with the happy meals that's (laughs) what i eat now
0: Have you ever seen that movie, uh, Super Size Me? Yes. The the Don Gorsky, the Gorsky Diet. All he eats is Big Macs. Yes. Yeah. You're the
1: antithesis.
0: (laughs) Like, well, his claim to fame is he's eaten like fifty thousand Big Macs, something like that. Yeah. Uh, So between the two of you, you average about twenty five thousand Big Macs.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. Well, both. Thank you again, man. Uh, I look forward to talking with you soon. All right,
0: guys. Thanks for having me anytime. Go Knicks.
2: All right, Sean. So we just wrapped up with Mo Egger, the biggest Knicks fan in Cincinnati. And that was a lot of fun. Um, I've been a big fan of Mo's for, you know, most of my life, I feel like. So having him on was a lot of, was a lot of, was a blast. And so um, let's kind of real quick, just touch on the rest of the NBA. And I, you know, it's very rare if people listen to our show. They know, like, it's very rare that I criticize LeBron James. It um, is, it but, is. But I'm going to.
1: I'm oh, going to for fact. Please, please.
2: So, if you list, if you saw after their loss on Sunday night uh, to Denver, LeBron James said that whoever thought of the playing game
1: should be fired for that shit. Yes, he Isn't did. Isn't it
2: weird the Lakers are this close to playing in the playing game, and that was his response.
1: Yeah, and was it just a year ago? He was kind of phrasing the, uh, yeah. the play-in game as well. So, it's like
2: you got the Blazers, you got the Grizzlies. You this, have is gonna be fight great. this
1: is yeah. going to be great. It's great until you're part of it. And mm-hmm. and this is where um, the NBA has gotten interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, the play-in tournament, uh while last year was kind of a novelty, they're making it a, it seems like a permanent thing here um love it this this year yeah and i think it's great and um the last couple of weeks of basketball we've had some really 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 tight games um uh, games that were tenser than they should have been players getting thrown out of games like at the end of the season usually you're coasting these teams have had to have they they all right now at this moment have to buy in they have to buy in they are locked in right now, and they are invested in winning and not coasting these last couple weeks. This was s- such a great idea. <laughs> love it.
2: I love because it because
1: all of the teams are jockeying back and forth. We're not going to really see, and there's so many of them that are that are close in the standings that we've you know got a week or so left. It's going to be interesting to see where these these teams fall, including including the Lakers. Now, a desperate LeBron. Is the LeBron that I like to watch on television. Yep. Um I've seen it quite a few times. And if push comes to shove, him in a in a a play-in game, sign me up for that. Sign sign me up for it. I mean, because this is the thing about LeBron James. LeBron James sometimes, I mean, you look at some of the the hard paths to his NBA finals he's had over the years and just things that have happened injuries to other players, things that he ha- he's had to put up with. I feel like he's never really had like a completely easy road. A lot of times when, especially when he was in Cleveland a couple years ago, yeah. just, just, I mean, some, a couple of those years, he was just out there playing his ass off, um regardless of circumstance. And I want to see that the league wants to see that the fans want to see it. And he's just frustrated right now. And, and you know what? I would be too. I would be frustrated too, because the Lakers should be the number one seed. They should, but they're not. That's not they how suck. Happen. Yeah. Yeah. They suck. They do. They do. <laughs> they do. Like,
2: like, I I'm scared. It's like that stretch. Like, you know, I, they, I thought they held their own without LeBron and AD, but like watching them like in that Kings game the other night. And I'm like, these guys oh, are terrible. And, like, they are not a good basketball team.
1: And you know, on the other side of that you see the nuggets who lost their second best player and are still alive and michael porter jr has turned into a bonafide superstar over the aaron last Gordon's couple of weeks
2: been terrific
1: and aaron gordon has been terrific um the nuggets if you're a nuggets fan first of all congratulations yeah um it's, it's huge year for you but if you're a Nuggets fan, you've got to be happy with the way this team's coming out and competing every night. And and they are they are the team that's doing everything right this year, doing everything right. And uh, really just not being the Lakers, man, because the Lakers, if you're a Lakers fan. You got to you got to be a little bit scared.
2: Yeah, I've seen them all the time on Twitter. Where they're Like, we got LeBron. We're fine. I'm like, um, he hasn't played in a month. And this isn't like the bubble where he had like five weeks of practice before they like traveled to Orlando. So yeah, also right but, now you're playing the Clippers in the first round.
1: Hey, sign me up. We've been waiting yeah. for this. We've been waiting for this. Let's go.
2: Yeah, let's do it. So, I'm good.
1: <laughs> I'm game. But there's um, a
2: yeah, because like right now, like Denver, I mean, the first four are set, you know, like, yeah. And they're, you know, right, they're right there with Dallas. Like they like the same record going into tonight. So you know, there's a possibility that hell, they're a game. They're a game of a Portland. We could yeah. see a play-in game being the Lakers and the Warriors. How big is that for the NBA if you have LeBron versus Steph Curry with your oh. with your season on the line?
1: I sign me up for that. Please that sign. Every please every night of the week. Please sign me up with that. Yeah, I want to see the Warriors uh, at least in the play-in game. Um, because you know, I I think Steph has had. There's been a lot of. Uh, <laughs> Steph is has, he, he's had an amazing career and everything, but a lot of times in the playoffs or the NBA Finals, he's had to kind of take a step back or defenses of, have kind of smothered him to kind of stop his production. Um Steph has to be the guy this year if they make it into the playoffs. Like he has to be the guy. Yeah. Um And I'm excited. Thing, I'm he excited will to be. See that. He will be, yeah. He's he, going
2: he, to be, I mean, if you see, you know, we've talked about it months now it's just special
1: it is it is it is and i mean there's just so much jockeying left you know with the mavericks the lakers the blazers um all within one game of each other like you said the first four are are set um the nuggets could take the three seed Mm -hmm. they could um and they're they're eight and two in the last 10 i could see that happening and that wouldn't surprise me at all um the suns and the jazz are they have the exact same record right now. So, and they're both playing great. Um, (laughs) Looking at them over in the Eastern conference, I know we were talking about um, a possible series where the Knicks and the Nets could eventually meet. Um, How big for the NBA would the battle of New York be?
2: That'd be fun because we really haven't had that in sports uh, since the subway series in 2000 when the Yankees and the Mets played in the world series.
1: And that's a look, that's a long time ago now. 2000 is yeah. a long time ago. <laughs> yeah,
2: it is, man. Like so many things have happened since then. Um, By the way, would you believe it if I told you the Yankees have won one world series since 2000?
1: You know, I wouldn't. Right. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, yeah. I'm not a baseball guy, but that, that doesn't seem right to me.
2: Yeah. So <laughs> that's either here or there. Uh, But yeah, that would be terrific because right now, Brooklyn's the two, New York's the four. Um, So it's, a little unlikely at the moment, but you know, like I said, so much, so many things can shake up. Like, it's like, like most said, they are three games up on the Celtics for the play in. Do you know how uh, you know ridiculous I would be if the Celtics got eliminated by the Knicks? If like this, the Celtics got buried by Julius Randle and RJ Barrett just and, how fun I would be.
1: And I, I have a feeling that the Celtics are going to be an early exit in this playoff mm-hmm. this year. Um, and I don't know where the blame is going to go on them, but you can sure bet there's going to be some major changes in, in Celtics land after this season. Um, I don't know what they're, they're going to do. Um, cause I mean, you and I going into the season, we projected them to be, you know, probably what a top four, top five team. Yeah. Initially, which is, you know, where, where we saw them. Um, and that's, that's not the case at all with them. Um, so um, it's it's interesting. And I mean, the Eastern Conference, the, the top three teams in the Eastern Conference this year, they're all tough as nails. They the are. 76ers, the Knicks and the Bucs. Um, I really, really, really think the Bucks. I know they've underperformed.
2: I feel um, like they're better than they were last year. Actually,
1: I, 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 Well, no, no, no. I'm not saying I'm saying they underperformed in the last couple of years. That's what I was going to say. Um, I think this year, um, I think this is the strongest that that core group has looked. Since being assembled, and I, I really think the Bucks are going to go far this year. I really, really do.
2: I do too, man. I'm like all in because uh, I talked about this a couple of weeks ago on Shot Collars. Um, Giannis's stats are very similar to his two MVP seasons. He's been
1: oh, yeah,
2: terrific. Like, yeah, awesome. I, I
1: feel. I almost feel like because so many people are excited for the Knicks or excited for the Nets or you know the the teams in the West being then the Nuggets or the Jazz, you know that i feel like people are kind of sleeping on the bucks i know that sounds really weird but no, i really No but you're do not
2: wrong they're literally 10 and 0 this year against the central
1: which which you know that's not shocking at all actually No but they just <laughs> I mean, beat, I mean they just <laughs> look beat, look at the central tim come on
2: i get it but it's still so hard to beat those teams they how many times you see them and you beat them every time um but they just won against brooklyn twice on back to back on a back to back granted they were at home you know Yeah that's like always didn't play their full roster because they never do. Um, But yeah, I mean, I, I, I really like what Milwaukee's doing. I'm very excited about this because coach Bud knows that if things don't go well this year, he's getting the Mike Brown treatment.
1: Yeah, that's absolutely right. That's absolutely right. Now, speaking of uh, teams that, that. Might be kind of flying under the radar, but still, still good. Do you think there's another team playing possum right now in the East that is just kind of waiting to strike the heat? That's that's what I was going to say too.
2: <laughs> yeah, I definitely think like, um, I think, if, I mean, if you look at the Lakers and the Heat, you know, these are the two teams that played the longest last year, had the shortest off season. Yeah. You can definitely see like some of that, not necessarily rust, but probably fatigue just kind of like coming out of them. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. And so I think that that just kind of became a big thing. Um, I think that you saw them struggle a lot. I really like the moves they made the trade deadline. I like their roster a lot, obviously. Anytime you have Bam bio and Jimmy Butler, your team's more than likely really good. Um, but I don't I don't raise, think, uh, you know, those guys like that have been, you know, I think the C team's going to, right now it looks like their matchup against Milwaukee in the first round. Like that's going to be, if that happens, that's a hell of a series.
1: It's going to be a tough series, but I, I honestly I honestly think that well, I think the bucks are going to, I think the bucks are going to prevail in a, in a situation like that, but I, too. I mean, the heat are kind of rolling right now. They're seven. They've won seven out of the last 10. Um, you know, so things are clicking a little bit at the moment for them. So that's huge. Um, but, you know, <laughs> I mean, looking at some of these other teams up back, you know, heading back over to the West, it's just going to be so interesting to see what pans out here because uh you know, if, if the playoffs started today, the Mavs and the Nuggets would play and that would be great. You know, I, like, si- like si- sign me up. The playoffs are just looking like a lot of fun this year. And I'm saying that as a guy whose team completely blew it this yep. year. Yep. We did completely blew it. Especially and... like
2: the regular season has not been very fun.
1: No, no. I, I, and I agree. I agree. And I'm, I'm ready for, I'm ready for some actual playoff basketball. Um, I feel like the and I'll say this again, and I, I don't want to come off as someone who's, oh, we got to get all of our people in the arenas and everything right now. But uh, I really do want to see some packed arenas sometime in the near future. I just I it it feels weird now still um, I want to see some some fans in the stands. And I think that's definitely going to bring some more excitement back to the game once we get there, like for next year's playoffs.
2: Yeah, I completely agree. Um, all right. So before we get out of here, we talked about, I know we touched on the Lakers there for a second. I'm just going to read off the remaining schedule. Go and um, it's Whew. so tomorrow night, when the, the day this episode goes up, they are at the Clippers. I guess it's not really at the Clippers because it's the Staples Center. Okay. They're playing the Clippers. Then they go to Portland. And then they are home for Phoenix. They had they had their home for Houston, which I mean that should be a win, and yeah. And their last game of the regular season. Oh, I'm sorry, they go to Indiana, they go to New Orleans, and that's their last game of the regular season. That's,
1: yeah, yeah.
2: I mean, they got a hell of a win against the Nuggets the other night. Like, give them kudos, but yeah, that's uh, it's pretty scary, Bob
1: it is yeah it is
2: so i guess next week we'll do our play-in previews because that's coming up soon and then we have our last week of the regular season we are still seeing teams jockeying for fight for battles uh maybe we'll do our, our war predictions i don't know we got a lot to talk about still
1: yeah yeah there's still a lot um i'm just excited to get the playoffs going man i'm ready to go i wish we could just kind of zoom past these last couple of weeks get to the play ends and, and, and get rolling here. I'm, I'm ready to go. Um, ready for some, some weekend matinee games. Um, like that. This is the time of year that I, I, I really, really love to be as an NBA fan.
2: Yeah. I'm with you. So we'll go and wrap this up. Um, once again, thanks to Mo Egger for joining us and talking about the Knicks. Um, we've all got a little Knicks fever in the NBA world right now. So we're excited, which is, to see which is this. weird. It is weird. It's just, you know, like we said, the NBA is so much better when they're good. So um, thank you all for tuning in as always. We're having, you know, we're definitely appreciate it. We'll be back next week. Have a great night.